Hello, friends. My name is Aliza Kelly. I'm a celebrity astrologer, three-time author, and host of this podcast, Stars Like Us. Think of Stars Like Us as your favorite nighttime talk show that just so happens to be released every Monday morning. Each week, we connect with another amazing expert guest, and together we talk about everything under the sun. But before we get into today's episode, take a moment to rate this podcast five stars. Why? Because you're the fucking best. All right, now let's do it. Sit back, relax, and get ready for another out-of-this-world conversation. This is Stars Like Us. everyone. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I am your host, Lisa Kelly, and I am here today with Sarah Rice, a Pisces sun, a Virgo moon, a Leo rising. And for those who are unfamiliar with Sarah, let me read you her bio. Right Brain Sarah is best known for her appearances on MTV's Real World Brooklyn and The Challenge. But don't let the label of reality star fool you. She is one smart cookie. Raised by artist parents, Sarah learned at an early age how to see the world as a playground for creativity and invention. Between craft projects, Sarah travels the world, exploring and gathering inspiration from colorful places and people she encounters. Sarah is a self-proclaimed lifelong learner and answer seeker. The eternal optimist Sarah's love for the human spirit led her to obtain a master's degree in marriage and family therapy, and she now works as a full-time therapist. Her hobbies include crossword puzzles, being a plant lady, and all things witchy. Well, obviously, you are in the right place because Stars Like Us is all things witchy. (laughs) I love it. So nice to connect with you. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. So I would love to just like, first of all, talk about your Pisces sun Virgo moon for a quick second. And also maybe a little bit of of Leo rising stuff. I am a Leo sun Ah. and I have a Pisces moon. So I, we share two of the yes, same yes. Zodiac placements in our big three. I'm a Capricorn rising. So I do have earth in there too, just like you, but you were born during a full moon. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yes. I had no idea. Oh, that makes sense for me. Yes. You were born. So because your sun and moon are opposites, this is how I know that you were born during a full moon. If your sun and moon were in the same Zodiac sign, you would be born during a new moon, but on op- opposites, opposite sides of the sky. Yeah. So yeah, you were born during a full moon. So what's your relationship like with full moons? Like really strong. And if I go on birth control and then I stop taking birth control and then my body like needs to naturally get back to like its regular rhythm, my period always starts the day of a full moon. Wow. And then, so if I'm like in my natural rhythm and cycle, which, you know, now I am these days, cause like I'm old and I don't need to be taking birth control anymore. <laughs> Not that old. So I'm sorry, crazy. You're like, oh, okay, easy. <laughs> easy to yourself. <laughs> um, but I had a partner on the challenge that I mean, I like am not shy about talking about that kind of stuff. I grew up in a family that was really open with, you know, talking about women's issues and everything, just like open in general. 
And uh, I would always be really open about like my period starting about how it was in sync with the full moon. And I had a partner on the challenge who I did really well with. And I think because we were so in sync and there was one night where he looks up and he's like, oh, full moon, Sarah, does this mean you're menstruating? And I was like, this is great that I've trained him well enough to know exactly when my period's going to start. We're going to do so well. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. That's so yeah. cool. And we did. We ended up winning the whole challenge. So I think it was because he was a good listener. Wow. I love that. Do you know what his sign was? Mm. Oh, you know what? He's got to be a Virgo. There's no way he's not a Virgo. If he, it, It's Jordan from the challenge, if anybody is familiar with the challenge on MTV. I would bet so much money that he was a Virgo. Should we, should we Google it? Is it Googleable? Totally. He's okay. totally Googleable. Jordan, the challenge, Zodiac, or birthday. We'll say birthday. Oh, September 15th. Okay, perfect. That's a Virgo. Yeah, it is. And it's also perfect for you because it's your opposite and it's your moon sign and it's on that same full moon axis. Yes. And so we won the challenge together and we did really well. I love Virgo Pisces combos. It's really one of my favorite. Yeah. Like in people or in partnerships? All, all of it. Oh, all the above. I love the way that that access interacts. Oh, yeah, that is cool. Yeah, because Virgo is like the practical helper and then Pisces is the spiritual helper. So both of them work together to try to figure out like, okay, well, how can we, you know, be in service together? Oh, that's good. And you, of course, have that rhythm in your own chart. That makes it helpful for me to do business as a uh, empathic person. I would imagine if your business could speak to your empathy. Yes. But if it doesn't, then that sucks. Therapist can help. Yes. Yes. So tell us, how did you go from reality? Like, what is it? What has your trajectory been? Reality and therapy. And tell us your story. You know, all... The whole time, I've, I always knew I wanted to be a therapist from like day one. I was really, that's always been the career plan since I was younger. Um, I originally went to school to study criminology because I had experienced some trauma growing up in my family. And I was like, I want to get the bad guys. And then I went to school for that and was like, wait a sec, that's scary. And I don't want to get the bad guys. I want to help the people who the bad guys got. And so. I switched to a more like psychology and therapy side of it. And so that's always been my passion. And then when I was 21, 20, 21, I auditioned for the real world. And it was a very unique season I was on because they were casting people who were advocates and people who were working for some sort of like nonprofit, stuff like that. So they were looking for somebody who was doing what I was doing. And I was bringing um, like art therapy style programs to like elementary schools and then uh, lesbian and gay centers in New York City. So I was doing a lot of like the volunteer work and that kind of stuff. Because when I was on the show, a lot of the stuff that I talked about was just my own life. And my own life happened to be a lot of sexual abuse and trauma. And I was contacted by uh, an organization uh, called PAVE, Promoting Awareness and Victim Empowerment, that supports people who have experienced sexual abuse. And they are big advocates and they speak out and they offer programs to help and services. And they were looking for people to be ambassadors. And they contacted me because they're like, oh, my gosh, she's saying all the right things. And so I started training with them. And then I started doing 
public speaking and speaking at colleges and universities on going from being a survivor to a thriver and uh, or I should say victim to survivor to thriver. And uh, so, yeah, so I kind of like got put into the public eye for uh, and then used that to keep doing the healing that I already wanted to do. So now I work as a full-time therapist. I went to school and got my master's in marriage and family therapy. And my goal is to work with people who have been on reality TV to help them in their transition after, because life on reality TV is weird and nobody really does that. And it's hard to go back to regular life after that. Or maybe you had something that kind of, you know, upset your identity a little bit on the show. And there really aren't any aftercare services that are provided for people on reality television. So I would like to provide that and do provide that. That is so fascinating and so interesting. And, you know, so it makes so much sense because that is probably one of, you know, whenever I have reality television stars on the show and we've had people from The Bachelor, we've had people from Too Hot to Handle, we've had Bravo celebrities. There's such a huge difference between those people who are still in like on their show and then those yeah. people who their season is over and it's not a recurring role. Yeah. I energetically feel the difference. I Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, some people are have it. It's like it's very integrated. Right. And then other people, I can see that they that it's like, how do you come back around after something like that? Yeah. I sense a lot of disappointment. I sense a lot yes. of like you know, that it's just, it was really vulnerable and really exposing. And you are sort yes. of like, have this mark on you and like are identified as something, but you can't really do a lot with it in a lot of ways. And not a lot of people understand it or people are like, oh, boo hoo, you were on TV. Ugh. But it's like what you say, that energy, you can feel it. You can like, you're like, oh, something's this affected you. Gosh, so nice to get that validation from somebody who feels that energy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how did, did you experience that as well personally? Yeah. Experienced it and saw it. I, I heard so many people talk about that three months or so when you come back from being on the show where you have to decompress, they would say, Oh, it's a decompression period where you have to just go back to being a regular person. And it's, it's a weird transition. It's very hard to explain. But it energetically, it, it's very draining to be on camera. And this is before the show. This is even before it comes out or this is after. Yeah, it this is out. before it comes out. So this is just after the filming process. Yes. Filming is over and it's like going from 60 to zero or like maybe even 120 miles an hour to zero because they're recording you 24 seven. Everything that you do, they care about. And then when the show's done, it's like your chop liver. They don't care about you at all. It, it, all of a sudden you are not even on their radar and that just, it does something to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And did you experience sort of like the, also then the roller coaster of the show's premiere and then being recognized and being a public figure and then how to, how does oh, one yeah. reconcile that? Well, it depends on how you were portrayed on the show. Editors tend to, uh, production will highlight I mean, it's either like a highlight reel of the best or the worst times, you know? So if it's, if it's some of your worst moments, which happen to make really good TV, then it's very re-traumatizing for that. There's a lot of anxiety leading up to it. Oh my gosh, what are people going to think? And that happens and you think this is going to be forever. And the mind does a really bad job 
of letting us know that this is going to be over soon. The mind gets the, like it gets it in there that, Oh, I'm going to feel like this forever. And then that is what really affects people and what gets in the way of relationships and day-to-day functioning and belief about self. And there's a lot of identity crises that Mm. take place. Yeah. I could imagine. I mean, it seems like it's, it's, it's such a unique experience. And I, I think I've definitely even said on this podcast, I don't know if it was in the context of reality TV, but definitely with some of like our recent TikTok stars, you know, like Mm -hmm. humans don't know how to have 10 million followers. They do not. Yeah. And in the same way, I don't know if like humans really know how to have that much attention if it hasn't been scaled. You know what I mean? Yes. If you build something over a long time, it like you can sort of you can you can sort of be with yourself every step of the way, but overnight sensations is so different. And we're we're relational people. You know, we thrive and and survive on our connection to community and our connection with other people and the feedback that we get from other people. And so humans, yeah, I'm reading this great book right now on like the history of mankind called Sapiens. It's fantastic. Just a little plug for this book that in no way I'm being sponsored by, but it's a fantastic book. <laughs> my my fiance read it and was talking about it for a long time. It's so good. Humans really can only handle about uh, social connections with about 150 people. We can manage the uh, opinions and feelings and thoughts of about 100, like the influence of about 150 other people. When you're when you've got a million followers on Twitter and everybody's talking about you, that's way more than 150. We're not built to be able to handle the kind of like commentary. If we base like our belief about ourselves on how other people view and interpret us, and we're all of a sudden being viewed and interpreted by people who's who are being like harsh and critical and are freaking trolls in their mom's basement for all I care. Like that's not how it's supposed to be. And it really does something to a person's like sense of self. And it may be very noticeable. It may be acute or it may be more like kind of like a frog in hot water thing where it just slowly gets boiled and people don't even notice that this is going on. And the worst is that the reality show environment itself, it perpetuates this and incentivizes these kind of interactions and behaviors and things like this, because that's what makes for good TV. But then there, and which is fine. I'm like all about good television and yep, do your thing, reality television. But I just think that there should be a little bit of aftercare afterwards. Do you think that it is the responsibility of the networks or the production companies to Yep. inform people about this process? I think more than inform because they'll say that they do inform you in the contracts. It'll say like, you know, this will affect your mental health, but like, you don't know how you don't really know. Of course. It also says in my contract that I can be, I can be decapitated. So I don't like really take that into consideration. <laughs> right, right, like, right, right. Okay. So it can affect my <laughs> mental health and I can be decapitated. Okay. Right. But, you know, like I feel like we need to really like, help people in a more productive, more real, more tangible, measurable way. And I think it beca- they so openly, if you listen to any interview from the creators of uh, a lot of like the original reality show programming, 
they will all use the term, we're, it's, a, it's an experiment. We're doing an experiment. And one of the things that, sure, do your experiment, but there's a big important part of an experiment. If you are doing the experiment properly, then the, the part they're missing is the debriefing, where at the end, anybody that any participant that you put through an experiment has the right to understand what happened to them, have the situation explained afterwards. And so you like come out of the testing and th they do this. They have they say, you know, is there anything that you want to need to discuss afterwards? They don't offer that in this experiment in the reality television experiment. So I feel like if you're going to use that word, if you're going to be doing these so-called experiments on people, then you all you have to do is provide just some therapy, just like five sessions. Here you go. Mandatory five. We're going to be saving people a lot of anguish. Yeah. And the, you know, I did a lot of research on this in grad school and the suicide rate is four times the national average wow. for people who have been on reality television. I don't, we, we can't, you know, it's, it, we can't say what causes that if it's participating on reality television or that the people who get chosen just tend to be more from that population. But those are the numbers. And I think that having some sort of support afterwards, it does fall on the production companies and the network, really the production companies too. If you're going to be casting people in this, and they have lawyers that are on site and on like on call lawyers. They have to protect their legal well-being. They have med physical like medical people. They have uh, uh, paramedics that are there. So we have people for health, but we don't have anybody there for mental health ever, ever, ever. And that's the stuff that I see there being big problems with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think that the way that reality television, and I would like to say in the past, but I think that it's still ongoing, you know, I, but definitely in the past, you know, the, the amount of alcohol, of substances, of reckless behavior that was being encouraged is obviously, you know, there's no question that that is going to be destructive for individuals. You know, you get a bunch of people addicted to things. You get a bunch of people like addicted, not only to the energy of being watched all the time, but then also to the substances, to sex, to like that kind of validation. Yeah. It's like, what do you, how do you expect people to cope after? How do you expect? Right. And then it's like the cameras are all there and then they're gone. And then people are like, what? Maybe if I'm more extreme, they'll come back. Right. And then they just mess up their lives. Right. That's really heartbreaking. Yeah. So I hope to be there too, you know. So what do you think for any listener who is, has reality television aspirations, Ooh. you know, how, well, one, you know, what should they know? And then two, do you think that there is, are some sort of character person, like profiles that sure. are more set out for it than others? Um, do you think everyone is going to be equally broken by the experience or are there certain people who have to be more delicate? with themselves. I think, you know, I think it's not a one size fits all. I think there are definitely people who are cut out for this, who can handle it. I think that the most important thing is to go in with a strong understanding of who you are, a really strong sense of self outside of the show. Who am I if I'm not this reality television person? And if you can answer that question, I am a... Mm, runner. I'm a painter. I'm a gardener. I'm a father. I'm a mother, whatever it is. 
if that list and that uh, sense of self is strong and well-defined, then you're good. I think people are good, but that's not often the case. And I think um, that when it's set up, so it's all people have. Like a lot of times the people who go on the show get a, a real opportunity being on the show and then staying on the show keeps them. They feel like they have to stay on the show to maintain what they have. And that can be, I've seen that be a difficult cycle for people to break out of because it's, they, they give you just, and, and this is, this is the reality show I was on specifically. I can't speak to others. I think it is similar in other ways, but it, they give you just enough as far as like pay pay goes to get by until the next show, but it's not a ton. And there, you can't have like another job with these jobs. So it, it for some people, it's, I think they fall into a financial situation where they have to keep saying yes. And so that I would look out for. That's really interesting. And that's, that's re- feels really um, scary. It, 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 it is. It was easy to see that people on the show either came from a lot of money where they had the freedom and privilege and flexibility to just take three months off and somebody else was going to cover their bills and they didn't have to worry about anything and rent was taken care of or whatevs. Or they lived in a situation where they didn't have a stable place to be living for three months. So three months is like, great, I have somewhere to live. And it was one or the other on our show. Mm. That's really what it felt like. I mean, that's definitely something that people never talk about is the, you know, the financial realities of reality television. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, true. also, I mean, I think that then this also kind of speaks to the correlation as well, because if you can take three months out of your life and just, you know, um, be in this bubble, this also would indicate that your life for whatever reason is that you can do that, you know, that you don't have the responsibilities of someone who needs to show up consistently. And either that's coming from like privilege or it's coming from feeling chaos. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The thing that is such a struggle is that, you know, I, I think it's so important to talk about these other sides, these darker sides to reality television. And it can very often be dismissed because people are like, Oh, she should be grateful. She was on a show and look at what she got to do and blah, blah, blah. The two can be both exist. Both things can be true. I think it's hard for people to hold both realities in their mind that there could be a TV show that they love and that somebody had a lot of fun on, but also that there could be some things that are, I don't know, maybe unforeseen consequences of participating that they don't even know from when they're casting and when they're producing the show and things like that. So both are true. I had tons of fun. It is great. We love reality television. Yep. Put that over there. And then over here is all this other stuff that happened. So I think it's just, you know, it's important. And I really appreciate, you know, when people can, uh, you know, entertain you with these kind of conversations because it is important. to talk about. Well, that's part of, you know, that's the work that, I do as an astrologer, that's the work that we like to do on the show is really unpacking things and allowing multiple truths to exist simultaneously because they do. 
And one doesn't necessarily negate the other. You know, it's these things can coexist that yes, it was a really special opportunity. And yes, a human psyche does not really know how to calibrate for that type of opportunity. So true. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. See, just go on the right shows. <laughs> the witchy shows get it. <laughs> witchy shows get it. Witchy shows get it. I mean, I just was uh, doing an Instagram live the other day uh, on, you know, for promotion for my upcoming book and which looks so good, by the way. Thank you. I it'll be out by the time this episode comes out. So I should say my book that is out and available wherever books are yes. sold. But one of the I, we, I had this wonderful Instagram live chat with somebody who uh, was just, you know, a, a follower and somebody who came up and shared their story live. And uh, this this amazing person who, you know, was like, I manifested losing 400 pounds, like, wow, what an incredible story to tell. But then also said, and then I became eating disordered and then I became you know, addicted to exercise and I was exercising for eight hours a day and I didn't have, you know, I was extremely depressed and I was so appreciative of that full picture because for anyone who, you know, it was responding to a question, another question that was submitted about, um, how do you manifest like, you know, for your body? And I love that he shared this story with his own journey and it's so inspiring. I mean, that's so much weight to lose, but the fact that he didn't end it there and that he allowed it to keep going and say, and then there was a whole other set of issues on the other side to me is, is so important because you're providing people with full information and you're not cutting the things that are uncomfortable to talk about and then misleading people about what those realities are. And I don't think people intentionally mislead each other. I think that we live in a society that doesn't really know how to tolerate full picture. You know, we are so good at headlines. We are so good at typecasting. We want to just put things into little corners and be like, that's what that is. But the truth is, is that everything is super comprehensive. And there are so many consequences to things that we might not even realize. So it's important to inform people so that when they're on their own journeys, they're not like, oh my God, I'm the only person who feels who's going through this right now. Like, no, you're absolutely not. Absolutely. That is, so, you know, and with manifesting and all that, it it is another, what that guy's story is, is another one of those lessons. And okay, you want this? I'll give it to you. But I'm going to give you all the things that come with it too, like getting real specific about what that's something that I is an ongoing lesson for me of learning how to ask the universe for the things that I need in the most neutral and selfless way. Yeah. To not get the other stuff that comes on the back end. But I think that you can't Ugh. avoid the other stuff. You know, the, it's all part of life. You can't. It's just being a human. It is. You're right. It's the yin and yang. And like I, when I take, when I get new exciting opportunities for projects, like, and there happen to be things that are adjacent to things that I was manifesting or hoping for or visualizing, like, I'm still going to have like issues, you know, I'm still going to feel right. like I'm still going to have problems in that project. I'm still going to feel disappointed with certain things, or I'm going to feel you know, there's going to be expectations that I have that aren't being realized or whatever it is, you know, and like, that's okay. It doesn't mean yeah. that that isn't a great opportunity. It doesn't mean that it's not something to be proud of, but like the truth of it is all of it. The truth is also like being able to hold space for the excitement and the disappointment without 
having one completely negate the other one and then being like, oh, this is all good or all bad, you know? That's so true. That's like I was saying about the reality show experience. Yeah, yeah. Not all good, not all bad. So true. Okay. Now let me ask you a few questions. Question yes. number one is what do you believe in? Ooh, I, man, the cool thing is I really believe in science. And the more I studied and learned about science on a real, like quantum physics stuff, like a molecular level, the more I discovered about spirituality. And so I believe in spirituality through science. I love that so much. That's so cool. And that is so Pisces Virgo access. That is like literally the essence of it, of like the Virgo <laughs> pragmatism and then the Pisces spirituality and abstraction. Yes. I yes. love it. I love to see it. That's yes. incredible. My mom is a is a practicing psychic. So she lives oh, in really? Costa Rica and she is a psychic. So I had to find my truth about the spiritual world my own way because growing up I was like, oh, she's ridiculous. This is what is she even saying? This is this is phony baloney. So I went the super science, like pragmatic, like I'm going to learn it. I'm going to see it. Like I'm going to find out the real info. And then through doing that, I was like, God damn it. She's right about everything. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. That's so wild. What was it like growing up with a psychic mom? I mean, exactly as you would imagine there was she, the, when I was younger, she used to be more. And when she was still kind of like honing her own psychic uh, abilities. It was like she was picking up messages from everywhere and going to restaurants would be annoying because she, I'd be like, mom, you don't need to tell the person at the table next to you that his grandmother says hello. Like It would drive me crazy. And now she doesn't do that as much because she's like, kind of holds her energy for people who, you know, hire her to give it away. But um, so it's better now. But she, it was really magical. My mom was very imaginative and magical and made childhood really, really fun and creative. And it was, it was just a, a spiritual playground. And she was really big on making sure that she never told me what to believe. She ta taught me how to learn and how to be curious and how to ask questions. And through that, I developed a sense of knowing and, and you know, or I mean, what do we even know? I know I know nothing. So that's so cool. I mean, that's also really inspiring for me because I want to be a mom and I think about how what it's going to be like to be my kid when I am this like astrologer, mystical, spiritual person, you know, because my mom is definitely she's a Pisces moon like me and she's very, very, very witchy, very psychic. But also that's not what she's an artist as well, but a musical no. one. I mean, Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was almost like the way that it channeled through me was the the physical manifestation of it is like, OK, now you are in that field. You know, you are me. I'm the one taking it after I've like collected it through a few generations. Um, so I'm I, I'm like, is it going to reset? Like, am, is my kid going to be like, I hate this? Like, I only <laughs> they'll they'll go. What is it? What is his name? Alex P. Keaton or something like that. He was like the the kid who had the hippie parents on that show. I can't remember a family tie or something like that, where he like rebelled and like wore a suit and carried a briefcase. That was totally me. I like rebelled. And I was like, guess what, mom? I'm going to church. And she was like, I first heard that. I'm like, I might become Mormon. You know, I don't know. Maybe 
I'm, I'm a teenager. I can be crazy. And that was like how I rebelled when I was little. So your kids are going to like have interesting ways to rebel. But the, uh, the other thing that I, I'm pretty sure this is most psychic parents, but she, she cannot read me or her kids because it's like too close. She can read people who are around me and partners I have, but she's never been able to read me. And there's like a wall up. Wow. So, that's so interesting. Yeah. What sign is your mom? Uh, she is an Aquarius. Cool. Cool. Yes. We love Aquarius psychics. That's very interesting. Yes. So very cerebral. Oh, yes. She, well, <laughs> she is. Yes. Okay. Question number two is how does magic show up in your life? Oh, man. Like every single day. Because for me, everything is magic. And it's, I use that term very openly and as a synonym for like a whole bunch of stuff, like intuition and prayer. And it's all the same stuff. You can just pick what word you want to call it. You want to call it like positive thinking. You want to call it magic. You want to call it prayer. You want to call it intuition. You want to call it like whatever. It's all just a connection to this universal consciousness that I think you know when you're in it and you know when you're not. And magic is like all around us all the time. And I feel like the ability to change our thinking and to mm, make like a bad day good for us or for somebody else, like put a smile on somebody else's face, that's magic. So it's everywhere. And if you just like step outside and say, hey, universe, I would like to see some magic and you like open up your eyes to it and like really look guaranteed some adorable little butterfly is going to like come and land on your porch or something. <laughs> I love that. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it, even from a scientific perspective, and I love science too. I love science. I watch a lot of nature documentaries and obviously everything that's you know, modern nature documentaries are very much rooted in the science of it. And it's all magic. I mean, yes. like the fact that this earth is inhabitable and that there's so like, yes. I, I could get, I'm getting emotional just thinking about like the plethora of life on this planet. Like, are you kidding? It's the most magical thing ever. The fact that we understand consciousness as something that exists and then doesn't exist in the same capacity and that we don't really understand what happens when things aren't alive anymore. Like all of that that's all magic, you know, all of it. I love it. Yeah. It's so beautiful. <laughs> oh, it, I love you. You're so cute. This is so great. Usually it's me who's crying about this stuff. I love it that I found my, my equal and getting teared up and emotional about all the time. I feel you on this. It's, I mean, it's, it's everywhere. It's wild. It's so amazing. It's so beautiful. It's remarkable. Truly. Okay. But now I want to give you the tarot card, Paul. The way that my deck does best is when we work with a question as opposed to just sort of like a general poll. So let me ask you, do you have a question for the deck? My question would be, like, I feel like I, I want to ask a question around um, like putting down roots. Like, I want to know if I am going to like I'm, I'm planning on moving to Colorado and I want to know if that, like, if it's better, like sooner or later. Okay. So you're planning on moving to Colorado and right now, is there a plan in place? Is there like a timeline no. or that's what you're trying to figure out? Yes. That's what I'm trying to figure out. 
go, but you know that you want to move there or you're still undecided. Yes. I know I want to move there. Okay. So then why don't we ask the cards for what energy you need to be yes. connecting to, yes. to make this move happen? Yes. Yeah. I love it. Woo. <laughs> okay. Do you want me to work with pile one, two, or three? Three. I love this stuff. Sending you all the magic. Okay. This is an interesting card. Five of pentacles. So okay. what this, this speaks to finances. This speaks to feelings of being financially um, stifled. So the energy I think that we need to connect to is why are those feelings coming up? Are they true? Are they true? Or is it you being triggered by the big expenses and the unknowns of moving, of disrupting your reality, of having to start over again? To me, this reads as the obstacle, but this also in you know, like everything multidimensional yes. reads is the solution, yes. which is exploring this to, uh, to yes. unpack that so that you can really figure out how this move this is going is to come to be. I have a lot of hangups around finances and not for any good reason. Like I um, have a lot of anxiety around it. Like it's going to disappear and, and like go away. And so I get very nervous about big purchases even though it's totally fine. And this is exactly what I've been saying for. And like, hello, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. But I have that feeling and uh, I want to buy a house and that's why I want to move there. And then I tend to get really excited and like want the fixer upper, which is not necessarily the best thing to do. Like my first car was not what it should have been. Cause I'm like, I want the cool like classic car. So I have to like not buy the cool, you know, a frame falling apart cabin in the woods for something. Yeah. Or know that if you do that, that's it's, you're not going to be financially cutting any corners, you know? Right. Good. Dang. That's good. Love it. You could, cause you could still get the coolest vintage house that needs a lot of love, but it's not going to be at the end of the day, any less expensive than getting a house that has been remodeled. This is so good. Yes. I love tarot cards. They're the best. <laughs> Well, that's very exciting. You're going to have to keep us posted on this journey and this process. Thank you. I have to get to a place where I can be more in nature and in my, I really found that that is the way to uh, refuel my energy and to keep me the most connected to all of that good stuff is to be away from people and in nature and in the trees. So that's where I got to go. I hear you. I, I feel the same way. Where can we find you and continue to connect with you and get to know your work more? Well, thanks for asking. Um, I am available uh, on uh, all social medias at I'm Sarah Rice, letter I, letter M, Sarah Rice. And uh, you can listen to my podcast, the Brain Candy Podcast, where I do a lot of uh, learning and talking about this kind of fun stuff with my co-host, Susie Meister. And uh, then if you are interested in therapy, I am taking new clients who live in the California area. And uh, I do Zoom sessions and online sessions and phone sessions. And uh, you can check me out at solutionsoc.com. That's solutions with an S-O-C.com. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Likewise. <laughs>